This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. We only gave up two odd man rushes in the night, and we made just colossal mistakes. First goal, just a huge error. Second one, turnover, just bad decision coming up ice. And third one was another PK error. And give them credit, they took advantage of uh, a couple errors, but I wouldn't wrap the whole game around. You know, we played poorly. We went overtime. We had our chances, and uh, we didn't get it done. Yeah, I guess you could say there were a few colossal mistakes, as you heard John Cooper coming into our show. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Greg Linelli with you, along with the radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Mishkin. Steve Ersnick and Steven Cusimano here as well. Recapping the Lightning's loss last night in St. Louis, a shootout loss, and... You know, Dave, it's interesting. When I was thinking about this game before I went to bed late last night, mm-hmm. I have to decompress a little bit. You know, those late games, you have to wind down. Yeah, and we gave back the three minutes we earned <laughs> with the early That's ESPN right. Plus start That's with right. the overtime of the shootout. And we hope people tuned to Lightning Power Play, you mm-hmm. know, if they didn't have uh, ESPN Plus to listen to the call. But it was one of those things where I think the information that we got before the game was Steven Stamkos not being there because they're about to have a baby and congrats to them and hope all goes well. Braden pulling Kucherov, Stamkos, so those three players are out of the lineup and you're getting Chernak back yeah. and you're, you're feeling like, all right, well, at least you're getting Chernak back, but those are three. Would have been nice to have those guys in the shootout. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Especially for sure. Stamkos, no who's doubt. been money this year. You're right about that. Elite players not in the lineup. So you're thinking maybe before the game, boy, if the Lightning come out of this with a point, I think that'd be fantastic. But then I'm wondering, does that start to change a little bit as the game evolves and the Lightning are up 3 nothing at the end of one? And you're thinking, all right, maybe I'm getting a little greedy here. Can they hold on mm-hmm. and take two points on the road against a good Blues team, a place where they sometimes have struggled? And it's, it, it's an interesting situation that you go through with your mind thinking, early on, you know what, with all of that happening, I'll take the point. But then as the game went on, you felt like, well, I want to get greedy. I want two. Yeah. And I, I felt after the game that, I'm not bothered by the loss, but I, I, I do, I think, maybe in the camp that I don't care who you have. You're up 3 nothing. You probably should come away with two points. That being said, I'm not losing sleep over the fact that they did lose in a shootout. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts about it. It's interesting Coop used that term, colossal mistakes, again, because he used that exact yeah. same term about the Hartman goal. Right. In Minnesota, that was or colossal error, I think he said. We made a colossal error on the third goal in the Minnesota game. Yeah. This was a game in which both teams made mistakes. And I think that the mistakes were colossal for the Lightning because the mistakes ended up in their net. The puck ended up in their net. They had other mistakes yeah. that Elliott stopped or the Blues weren't able to convert. I mean, Cairo had that basically a breakaway late in the third. Right. Braden Shen right after that had a two-on-one. Like That was a pretty significant mistake, but Elliott made the save. And at the other end, I mean, the Lightning had lots of chances to score too, and some of those chances were born from mistakes that the Blues made. So hockey is a game of mistakes. I guess to me, the one really big mistake that was made was on the O'Reilly goal, because he was left completely alone on one side of the ice, Elliott's moving from his left to his right, couldn't get over in time, and O'Reilly finishes it. Felt like that was a blown coverage. That was a blown coverage. The other 
two goals. There were mistakes made, but it didn't seem to be as significant. Like one mistake wasn't the the main reason why the shot went in. I think the second goal he referenced a turnover. Yeah, the Lightning turned the puck over in the neutral zone, but it was not an odd man rush. Yeah. And Logan Brown scored. And on the third goal, you know, he talked about PK PK coverage. The PK has been really good. That's a good St. Louis power play, number two in the league. But the Lightning won the draw, and it was late on the penalty kill, and they couldn't get the puck out. Yeah. And Barbashev makes a good shot. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that some of it you have to credit the opposition. So I guess where I come down, Greg, is if we're going to say that this glass is half full and half empty, I'm way more in the glass half full. I agree with you. Camp. For sure. For a couple of reasons. Everything you just said is absolutely true. They had a makeshift lineup, let's call it that, with probably more than a normal reliance on younger players, including one making his NHL debut, and Fortier played very well and got more ice time as the game progressed. We even talked about it pregame. I was wondering if Barry Boulay and Fortier, who were kind of paired on the fourth line, if they would be in a position where Cooper almost had to find ice for them. That was not the case. He no. kind of jumbled the lines, Yeah, and they both saw a fair amount of ice time. Fortier yeah. played just under 10 minutes. He had a shift in overtime. He did. So he did. Good, to, good to see that, and that is an indication that Coop liked what he was seeing from him, that he yes. kept putting him out there. But you are right that you go into this game, you don't have Point, Kucherov, or Stamkos. Vasilevsky is not the starter. You're going with 11-7, and seven, and of your 11 forwards, you have a guy making his NHL debut and three other guys who are rookies. I'm not sure if Colton. I don't think Colton is officially Still a rookie. A rookie yet. Is he? I'm not sure. I, uh, to me, he's not a rookie, but he may qualify as one based on his games played yeah. last year. But he's still a young player. And they battled hard. So, yeah, they got a road point out of it. And so what do I think about the 3 nothing lead that they couldn't hold on to? That is disappointing. There is no question. But the Blues had, what, 54 minutes <laughs> to try and get the game tied. This is, and and it's not as if the Lightning just wilted. They had that tough stretch, end of first, start of second. And that hurt them because it became 3-2. I'm not sure that they had any really weak segments after that. In fact, they carried a lot of the play in the third. They carried a lot of play in the second after it was 3-2. And they definitely dominated play in the first 10 minutes. And contrast this game with what happened in Sunrise last night, where the Capitals had a 4-1 lead going into the third, lost in regulation 5-4, and were outshot 26-2 in the third period. That's right. So that yeah. would be a situation where you're like, you have a three-goal lead, and you the lost the game. Yeah, no. so that's a couple of differences. First sure. of all, Washington had a three-goal lead in the third period. Second of all, they lost in regulation. They didn't even get a point out of it. Yeah. Third of all, they got completely dominated. 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 That didn't happen to the Lightning last night. They gamed it out. That was the term I used in the extra shift column that I wrote. They did game it out. Yeah. They battled hard. Right. And if not for Bennington, they would have scored more than three. Well, and let's go Now, back. maybe the third goal was on Bennington, but he more than made up for that with some really good saves and for I the think, rest of the game. I think that needs to be said because we often talk about this with Vasilevsky. Goaltending makes such a big difference. Vasilevsky oftentimes does. And I thought Elliot was pretty good last night as well. But you told me this before we came on the air, and I agree with you about Bennington, is that after that goal that was 
just took a weird bounce. Yeah. Elite goaltenders or above average goaltenders, if you can, look at that and say, that's it. Right. No more. And Bennington, while maybe he has not replicated what he did when they went to the Stanley Cup, Dave, he is still, I think, an above average goaltender. Oh, yeah. Maybe even an elite goaltender, yep. depending on what night. And I thought he at least gave his team an opportunity to come back and chip away. And after that fluky goal, which, let's face it, that can rattle some goaltenders. What was strange about it, though, like a lot of times you see that go in, the goalie doesn't even know the puck is coming. He saw it. He's just standing there yeah. frozen. Bennington saw it. <laughs> he did. Like you see him and looking it at it, and he didn't even move. <laughs> and it just Far be it from me to, yeah, to right. criticize, and I, I don't want to criticize, yeah. but there is a difference between what, what happened with Bennington and what happens to goalies in other plays that have happened like that, where sure. like the goalie's expecting him to go behind the net, and maybe they're kind of getting ready to look behind the net, and all of a sudden the puck is right on them. Yeah. This one, he saw that hit the, the stanchion or the boards or whatever it hit, and he's just standing there as it bounces to him. And, yeah. I mean, he didn't have a lot of room open, but, yeah, it found its way it's inside his pads. Goal. There's and, yeah, not much you can in. do. Right. And good for him. But then he was, like, enough. Yeah, and I think that's, no more. that's what you want to see from your number one goaltender. Yeah. And I thought he responded very well. So, I, big picture, I agree with you. I, I really wasn't totally bothered by the Lightning's mini two-game road trip. And I'm certainly not bothered by what happened last night. It was a little disappointing that they blew a three-goal lead because right. typically a team like the Lightning, even with their backup and a couple of guys who aren't regulars or in the lineup, they would find a way to win that game. And that's more of a compliment to the Lightning than it yeah. is anything else. But they didn't. They and picked I, up and a I point. And I think I would look at it this way. If they had gone up 3 nothing and had been dominated for the final 55 minutes, then you're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. what happened? Or they, or they went up 3 nothing. And the rest of the game was fairly even, but they made three horrendous mistakes. Yeah. Just inexcusable mistakes that led to the tying goals. That almost would have been harder to swallow, too, than what ended up happening, which is the Blues made a push. Both teams had chances. Bennington shut the door. Yeah. And the Blues were able to chip away. But the Lightning pushed back a couple of times too like when they had momentum going against them they found a way to reverse that i think that's a positive sign i think so too especially with all the young players yeah. in that lineup and dave the young players continue i think to make a positive impact and we thought radish had his first goal yeah I know. yesterday very close and kachuk another close call i mean on they're, that wraparound. They're, they're just really close and you and i thought got into a decent conversation in post game when we talked about how frustrating it is maybe for those guys that they're not seeing the puck go in. I mean, I think eventually, psychologically, you want to see that happen. I mean, you yeah. want to feel like – it's almost like, especially for forwards, you feel like you haven't made it until you score a goal. <laughs> and, and maybe I, I'm looking at it wrong, but I, especially those guys who – they've been goal scorers in juniors. I think they look at themselves as pretty decent offensive players. You want to see that puck go in. I acknowledge that. But I also think, too – They've done a nice job of not really falling off the cliff with their play. No. And allowing the lack of goals get in their head. In part, I think, because you don't have time to. Because we have seen the Lightning promote guys mm -hmm. from Syracuse who could take your spot. Now, do I think that's going to happen with specifically Kachuk and Radish and maybe to a lesser extent Baribule? I don't. I think at this point. I mean, they shouldn't think about this, yeah. but I'll say it. If the Lightning tried to send Boris Kachuk or Taylor Radish to the minors, they would get claimed. I agree with you. I don't I think that's happening. You. No. But they should look right. at it that way. Right. But what's impressive is that they have continued 
I think, to make a positive impact game in and game out here recently. And they need to keep doing that mm-hmm. because the goals will come. I mean, they're getting close. They're going to the front of the net. Yeah. I. So the reason I was really certain that Radish had scored that, not just because the replay I had yeah. showed the puck kind of hit the post and then go back across, and it looked like it hit Bennington and went in. Yeah. But I think it was Kalorn picked the puck up. Yeah. Right. Got the puck for Radish. Yeah. And it wasn't like Sorelli was like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I actually got a piece of that, but clearly he did. I never actually even think, saw the replay. Do you think Sorelli would have been, even even if Sorelli touched it, do you think in a moment like that, he's like, look, if they give it to the kid, I'm fine with that. Yeah. That's probably. almost how I took it. Probably. Because Radish, did you, you probably didn't have the angle where I was watching it, and I saw I went back on NHL.com just to look at the replay again. Yeah. It you was almost see like Sorelli touch it. Well, after like a couple of different angles, he's poking away, but when you saw Radish celebrate with his teammates, you could get the sense, like, he wasn't sure. Like, did you get that? Or, or yeah, yeah, like, he wasn't he wasn't sure. And I think, you know, obviously they changed it. Quick anecdote. Marty St. Louis' first NHL goal yeah. in Calgary. He was playing in Calgary much the same way. Really? When he scores it, I heard him tell the story. He's like, I score the goal, and you see me celebrate. He's like, is it mine? Is it mine? <laughs> or he says something like that. <laughs> That was his. Sure. And look, the way things... That was have, his. It was not Radish's, right. though. And the, and the way things have been a little shaky with official scoring this year and just... You don't know. You yeah. don't know. There were a couple of changes because they added or they changed the assist on the Perry goal where Sorelli got an assist for tipping the Kalorn yeah. shot off the post, which I thought I did you see did that. You did see that, yeah. yeah. And then the, the playoff, the faceoff happened so quickly. You're talking about what had just happened with the Lightning scoring the power play. Yeah. And I saw Colton won the draw, but then the next thing I see, Chernak is, like, blasting Lugging it in. It and in, it's yeah. in the net, but Radish got an assist out. Yeah. So they did yeah. go back. I credit the Blues off-ice officials. They went back and they looked. Get it right. They made sure they got yeah, it right. get it right. Yeah. But Radish, you know, was, was impactful. So was Kachuk, which yeah. was great to see. Forte had himself a game. Sorelli ends up getting the goal, and maybe that's where we can go right here a little bit because when we talk about some guys being injured and – who is taking that next step this year in their mm-hmm. progression as an NHL player? You know, I often forget Sorelli's still a young player. He's got a lot of games, but it yeah. feels like Dave. He is maybe taking on more responsibilities well, and producing is. more. He is. So I was looking at the game notes before the St. Louis game. And I'm going to give you a guess as to, and I think you're probably going to get it right, although maybe not because it's a little bit of a trick question. Okay. Which lightning forward is averaging the most ice time this year. Like, for the year, cumulatively. I mean, I'm going to say Sorelli, but... Yeah. It's Kucherov. It's Kucherov. Is it? Yeah. So, Kucherov is is just ahead of Sorelli. So, at first, I was like, Sorelli is leading all forwards in ice time. Yeah. And then I, I, oh, okay, Kucherov is, like, 20 seconds more. But Kucherov only played three games. And one of those games was that Detroit game where... Like, he was on the ice a lot because yeah. the lighting had power play, sixth attacker, et cetera, et cetera. If you were my professor, by the way, I would argue with you because I'd say, look, Kucherov doesn't have enough time. He doesn't play it enough. If we want to include, like, minimum games played. Correct. Sorelli would have been the correct But Sorelli has earned it. So yes. Sorelli is really the answer. But I guess if we're going to be technical about it. It is Because I was like, it's Sorelli. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, actually, Kucherov is just ahead of yeah. him. But right, it's right. like a put an asterisk <laughs> on that. So, yeah, Sorelli is averaging, he's the only lightning forward, healthy forward, yeah. who is averaging over 20 minutes per game, more than Braden Point, more than Steven Stamkos, 
more than anybody else. And I guess it makes sense because he's seeing more power play time this year and he always gets a shift on the penalty kill. But he played with the Lightning going with 11 forwards last night over 25 minutes. Now, he got some time in overtime, so if it were a 60-minute game, he wouldn't have been at 25. But he is having a heck of a year. And I think it's reflected. When you look at his ice time, it's not that the Lightning don't have anybody else, so they're just throwing Sorelli out there. He's earned it. He has earned it. He is. He's a monster out yeah. there. And you love his You love his tenacity. You brought it up a couple years ago. He brings you into the fight. Yeah. They've got a couple of guys that do that. I was really impressed with him and Palat last yeah. night in that regard. Kalorn was good, too. Yeah. They played a lot together. I know they mixed up the lines. In fact, on the Radish goal, non-goal, well, Sorelli right. was out there yeah, with was. him. Yeah. So they And that was right at the beginning of the game. But they mixed up the lines a lot. Yeah. But probably other than the Belmar line, which I think was, was the most consistent, the next most consistent was Sorelli, Plot, and Kalorn, and they put that line together once Stamkos yes. was not available. And I thought that line was really effective for the Lightning, and what was notable was really all three players. I don't mean to leave Kalorn out, because I can remember plays where he was just so strong on the puck. Yeah, right. But Sorelli and Plot were such a pain in the rear end for the St. Louis defenders in their own zone. Defenseman and forwards. Yes, right. But whoever yeah. the puck for St. Louis in yeah. the defensive zone, yeah. when the Lightning weren't struggling, which happened at a couple of points in the game, but for much of the game, it was either even or they were dictating play. When that was happening, Sorelli and Palat were all over those guys. Yep. I know that I don't like the giveaway-takeaway stat. I don't. I think it's a dumb stat, frankly, because how many giveaways and takeaways are there in a hockey game? Probably 100. Honestly, I mean, an errant pass, <laughs> you know. And I always feel like giveaway takeaway. Play. You may, you may. I think it's a hard this. stat for the offensive well, officials to track. And logically thinking of it, like if you give the puck away, that means somebody. Yeah. Has so taken you have to. It away. It's like, was it was it forced or unforced? <laughs> right. Kind like of. I, I feel like if it was forced, yeah. then maybe it's a takeaway. If it was unforced, then maybe it's a giveaway. This is a yeah, really hard thing. Yeah. yeah, I think it's really hard. Yeah. Right. 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 Having said that. Yeah. Having said yeah, that. Yeah. Going to the Greg Lanelli eye test. Yes. What I saw in last night's game was Pilat and Sorelli disrupting a lot of plays that the Blues are trying to make, especially yeah. in the St. Louis end, and stealing pucks. Yeah. They yeah. did that pretty much throughout the night. You know, they're probably not going to be together once everybody comes back. But everybody makes a big deal, and rightfully so at times, who's replacing the Yanni Gold third <laughs> yeah. line. Brian Engblom talked about Sorelli it Sorelli and Pilat have a lot of those qualities yeah. that they could probably be that line. If they wanted to reconstruct the lines and say, do what they did. You've got skill. You've got a lot of grit. And to your point, you're a pain to play against. I mean, Pilat and Sorelli are probably, could you make the argument, not only two of their most complete players, but two of the grittiest yeah. players? I mean, and if you threw Kalorn on that line, you really have the makings, maybe even of a glorified Right. Yanni Gorline with a little bit more skill. Well, you may just have to to reconstruct, not reconstruct, recalibrate yes. how you're constructing your Correct. lineup. Because in that interview we did with Brian Engblom yesterday on Power Lunch, he, I think you were asking about Kachuk, he compared Kachuk to Palat. He did. So Kachuk could evolve into a player like that. But sure. even now, Kachuk is a pain in the rear end he is. to play against. He is. Like, he already has that in his I game. Know. He just has not gotten rewarded 
offensively just yet, whereas Sorelli and Pilat are proven yes, point producers they are. They in are. the league. They are. And I, I want to get back to Sorelli, um, a little off of the lightning topic, but relative to him. One of the things I think a lot of scouts wanted to see, Dave, from Radish was being consistently noticeable on the ice. I feel like he's done that. Yeah. I understand young players. Are you talking are about Radish? Or yeah, Radish. Yeah. Like, more so than any of the other prospects, that maybe Radish, when he was going, was really, really good. You would notice him. He was scoring goals. He was using that big frame. But then there may be some games where you didn't notice him as much. Fair or unfair? That was at least some of the things that I had heard. I feel like the last couple of weeks, what's been so encouraging about his play is there's a level of consistency. Mm-hmm. He's not scoring, but he's been consistently noticeable, getting chances, maybe using his frame to create some space out there for his teammates or in front. So when we talk about the progressions of younger players, we always want to look at goals, at least from the offensive standpoint. But I think for Radish's confidence and one of the reasons why he should feel good about his game, and maybe it's because he's playing with the guys he's playing, there's a comfort there. Yeah, He has become a pretty consistent player, and I think that's one of the reasons why he's not only up here, but John Cooper's giving him the ice time that he deserves. And, like, we talk about scoring goals. Like, once you score one goal, and we've seen it with Corey Perry. Yes. You know, yes. it can help your confidence. Yes. I think what maybe has helped Radish's confidence, because he hasn't scored, but what has helped his confidence is playing that way and seeing success. Yes. Now, we're measuring success differently because he has not scored, but the, the success for him is, man, we're playing in the offensive zone. Yes. Like, 80% of the time. What I'm doing is working. What I'm doing is working. Yes, yes. Then you have belief. Right. And your impetus to keep doing it yeah. is is stronger, right? right? You, It's like in baseball. If you're working on my mechanics to be a better hitter, and I'm implementing them, and I'm not seeing any results, my confidence is going to be shocked. But if I start to see that, all right, you know what? I'm making some contact. I'm hitting the ball hard. It's just a matter of time before I start to go on one of those nice mm-hmm. streaks where I raise my batting average. I'll start to buy in a little bit. I'm not saying that's exactly what happened with him, but to your point, I think you need to see maybe your your line mates have some success. You have some success. A little pushback. Yeah. Some shots on goal. That's all been very positive. There's no hesitancy to his game. Yes. Maybe that's, that's not the right word, but I, I think earlier in the season when he was having games where he was less noticeable – Maybe he was still trying to figure out where he needs to be and what he needs to do. And now there's no hesitancy about, all right, this is where I need to be, and I'm going there. And I think that's fair. I I think for any young player, there's got to be a little bit of a learning curve. So if you want to react to that, you can at Bolts Radio. One point on Sorelli, and we have no control over this because we have talked about there are some really other talented players in the league, and I think you know where I'm headed with this, but – his head coach is going to have a lot of say when yeah. it comes to the Olympics. But if you were to tell me, Greg, I think Sorelli can make Team Canada, and maybe it's not even one of the regulars, but at least an extra, and maybe he plays in a game here and there, I think having a player like Sorelli on that team, the way he's playing now, isn't far-fetched. And again, I, I, I can see that there are a lot of other players I haven't seen yet this year, mm-hmm. and I don't know what what John Cooper would be looking for. But I do know John Cooper has coached Anthony Sorelli. Yeah. And I know he's very confident in him. If you're going to a place to win, Sorelli has won in a lot of places. 
I, I it wouldn't be far fetched for me to sit here and say, <sighs> Braden Point, Sorelli, Steven Stamkos, yeah, all had a strong case to be made to be on that team. And I guess, and this may be more of a question for the general manager, although Coop, I'm sure, will have a say in it. Yes. Do you want a team of Nathan McKinnons? Or do you feel you need a Yanni Gord type of line? Yeah. <laughs> Where the just outright, flat-out talent level may not be at the at the level of a McDavid or a McKinnon or a Crosby, and I think it's safe to say those three guys are going to be on the team. You think they'll put Crosby on? No, oh, you winked at I'm me. I'm joking. I'm joking. Even though he hasn't played much this year, I think he's right. I think he's, he's on earned the, the right to go. Yeah. Do you and and that's not to say that these guys can't dig in and and play hard defensively, but they do you will. need but do you need a mix? Well, yeah, or do you need? Do you feel like you just want to take the 12, 13 most talented forwards? Right, and throw them out, throw them out there, and say, okay. And maybe that that's how you construct so, an Olympic team, or you know, a team for you know, World Championships or the World Cup of correct. Hockey. I guess we'd have to go back and look and see how these other teams were constructed. But, you know, I do remember that Ryan Callahan played for the U.S. in the Olympics. And, I mean. When was that? That was. was 2014? That t- well, he was hurt in 20, 2010, I guess. So that was. He would have been But, I mean, that's when Ryan Callahan, even though we, we looked at him towards the end of his I career. I said it. Now Bay. I'm doubting myself. But I'm, I'm almost certain he played Wait. for U.S. in 2010. Yes. Olympics. But, I mean, in 2010, Ryan Callahan. Steve is looking it up Was us. a lot younger. But also, too, Ryan Callahan was a guy that was in the prime of his career that yeah. was a very good offensive player, too. Yeah, early in his career. Yes. Early so, I mean, that, that, that's not yeah. so far-fetched to think he was just a grinder. You know what I mean? 2010. He was there in 2014, too. I thought he was hurt because that was the year the Lightning acquired him. Maybe he got Let's hurt after go the Olympics. Let's get our, so, our two staff. Olympics. Yeah, right. But, you know, Ryan Callahan would not be in the same category as Sidney Crosby. Of course not. In terms of what they can do as an offensive player but he's just a not forward. a guy taking up space no the there is a reason yeah. why he was on the team yes, that's kind of what i'm yes getting at. and you know the answer to that question for me would be john cooper can say you know what look how we constructed our team with the tampa bay lightning we used to be a team that could go up and down we'd score five goals but we needed to defend and we probably needed to the blake coleman's and the barkley yeah. goodrose and i understand it. again it's different the guys you're asking to play a third and fourth line in the olympics are more talented than your typical third and fourth liners on a regular NHL team because you're you're picking from the best. But my point to you is, if John Cooper has a say, he may look at it and say, look, I mean, Anthony Sorelli is a really good player. And Anthony Sorelli can chip in offensively. But if you're asking me how are we going to win this tournament, sure. Let's get a bunch of Nathan McKinnons and Connor McDavid's and Sidney Crosby's yeah, and, and, maybe and whoever. Yeah, that is the answer, yeah. But you know what? Let's also fill out our roster a little bit with... Anthony Sorelli, or who, who uh, throw another guy out there who's gritty, that yeah. has skill, that can play with a little sandpaper and be a pest, be a pest, because I do think you need a good mix. But I think you can just look at Exhibit A for the Tampa Bay Lightning as to what maybe John Cooper would look at and say, that's probably how I would look at my roster, because when we had the most success, Dave, we had a pretty good balance yeah. of elite players and skill. So something to keep an eye on. By the way, I, I'm also hearing a little bit, I do think the NHL is getting a little bit nervous. This isn't from 32 Thoughts. Uh, reading up on on a, a couple of things that are going on maybe with this new variant and mm-hmm. COVID, and we're seeing you know a little bit more of an outbreak with some teams in all sports. I would not be surprised 
if they extend the season this year into the summer, long into the summer. See, I think the option if they if they have concerns about the Olympics is they pull out of the Olympics. I I understand that there is an alternate schedule yeah. in place that will include a break. It's not going to be a three week break because this is a three week break. Yeah. When you talk about the All Star break into the Olympic break, it is a three week break. Yes. So they're not going to take three weeks off in this alternate schedule, but they'll have a little bit of time off. I think I I saw yeah. Elliot put out something to that effect. I think that would be the the plan B if the Olympics are are off the table. Hopefully the Olympics are not off the table. I don't though. think there's that. I shouldn't say that. There's always a chance. Yeah. I think the players push so hard for this. And, I, and I it's going to be hard for me to accept. And the I fact. know you didn't you didn't really follow the the Tokyo Olympics as carefully as I don't think that I followed it carefully. Let but me I be very clear it. with that. But I, I didn't mean, watch in Tokyo. Thing. Okay, but I mean in Tokyo, <laughs> they. They took it very seriously yeah. to segregate the yes. athletes yes. and try and protect them as much as possible. Yes. And I, I would expect that the same is going to happen in Beijing. Well, and the other thing, too, is what if somebody gets injured over there for a lot of different reasons why that can be a tough pill? But you get COVID out there, and you're, it's not like you're a state away from coming back to the States. You're in China. Right. What does that do for you coming back? Well, are you talking about COVID or an COVID injury? COVID or an I mean, both. Well, they're going to have the, the trainers. I'm sure there are going to be team doctors. And are they going to have more than just the original roster picked for these teams? Yeah, that's a good question. What I happens if you lose a player due to COVID well, protocol? You're almost going to need a whole other roster, I think, of guys that could probably be ready to go. I, yeah. So I, I think... I don't. I have no doubt. I think the league is a little nervous about this whole thing. Right, but I have to believe, and maybe I have more faith in organizational preparedness than you <laughs> than do. I do. But I have to believe <laughs> that they have these contingencies. They have considered these contingencies, Let's and they have a plan in place. I would. Maybe think I have too much faith. My contingency plan would be: if this becomes a headache, we're not going. Well, right. I think I, I agree think with you be, there. I, I, I don't know. But what if you're there and you have six players test positive? How do you feel the team? Uh, that's the sort of contingency that that's, I'm talking that's about. That's a great point because now the quarantine period for that is long. I mean, it's a couple weeks, but the tournament's only how long? Right. Yeah, and you're even talking about when can they come back what if you got COVID, to the States or North America to rejoin their what, NHL team. What if you got COVID the last two days of the tournament? <laughs> Yeah, and then I mean, like, what what do you do there? The other thing too is I've heard that the All Star Game in Vegas that they're starting to lean towards nobody's going anywhere. <laughs> like right. it's going to be a really big lockdown. It, it, maybe even players I shouldn't can't say see their right. family. I didn't know that. Yeah, this like they may not see their families. That they're really going to minimize what, like, even media day. Yeah, they might not even make that. But an they're going to play a game and have a skills competition, or is possibly? It more... I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, if they don't, then what's the point in going? I guess agreed. The the other way to do it is like an event weekend, but that runs counter to like what you. That's the opposite of a. You know what down. I would do? That's the opposite of segregating <laughs> players. <laughs> what I beat all the sponsors, right? Because really, that's a big part of so this, this all star. Weekend yes. as well. This is where you and I think can come to some agreement here with all this stuff. I think if you're not going to do the whole All Star Weekend, I would just say, listen, this year it's a little bit different. We got the Olympics. Understand it's going to be a hit to Vegas's economy. Showcase. Let's just announce who's on the team, right? And not even have anything. If we're going to go through all these hoops and hurdles, so close to the Olympics, 
it doesn't make a lot of sense if you're that concerned. Yeah. I guess we're going to have to we'll see find if out. more teams have issues. The Blues had – it wasn't an outbreak, I don't think, but they had four to five players. Does that count as an outbreak? Well, what is an outbreak? We don't know. Well, I mean, an outbreak to me it. is the extent that they're postponing games, which has happened to right. Ottawa and the Islanders. Yes. The Blues did not have any games postponed, but they had four to five players have to miss some time. You can see it in the games played. O'Reilly missed some time. Yeah. Trying to remember the other guys. Krug missed some time. Like yeah. they're the Blues had played twenty one games going into last night's game, and you could see like O'Reilly was at seventeen, Krug sure. was at eighteen. Like yeah. you know, two to three games, three to four games missed. And the Bozak one came a little bit out of left field yeah. because they're like, Well, we already kind of had this right in our room to the extent that a handful of players got it. And had to miss some time, and now Bozak got it. So, what is going to happen from here? I think that was a little surprising to St. Louis, and we're going to see more teams are in the same boat. Yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. But it was I wanted to. I mean, Cody CC. Yeah, yesterday I did see that. Yeah, so something we're dealing with, no doubt about it. He's Dave Michigan. I'm Greg Lanelli. It is Power Lunch. We'll take some questions when we return on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner, host of The Block Party, and we are coming off a big one. We just had Yanni Gord stop by last week. This week, Jan Ruda is on the show. A lot of people don't know Jan Ruda, very, very nice and sneaky funny. I asked Jan a very important question about who the very hairy man on his Instagram is, breaking his ankle on a block shot in the playoffs, and trying to embrace Thanksgiving. It's Jan Ruda on The Block Party, wherever you get your podcast. Download it twice. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, welcome back to Lightning Power Play here on Power Lunch. Greg Linelli with you, along with radio voice of the Lightning, Dave Michigan, talking about the game last night and so many other things. If you want to weigh in on our, our topics, you can. Um, sad news within the Lightning organization, Dave, is uh, Tommy Gilbert passed away. I found out through a, a post on Facebook last night and I knew he was battling some health issues. I didn't know mm-hmm. to what extent, but he was long time, right? Lightning Yeah, employee. he wore a lot of hats. I think he, he did a lot of work getting sound in the morning. Yes. And he, he did work for a local radio station, but he also did a lot of work for the Lightning. And I understand, I'm not in the office that much, but yeah, I understand right. that he had a role in the office too, yeah. which I kind of knew, but I didn't know exactly what he did. And I think he did a lot of... A lot of different things in a lot of different categories, but he was very well-liked because he always had a smile on his face, and every day was a great day, and he loved the lightning, and he loved hockey, and he, he loved sports. He was from Ohio, so I think it's he strong had strong ties to the Philadelphia area, too. Did he live Yeah, he well? spent some time there. Yeah. But I, I think the... The service is back in Ohio. Yes. I think that's where he grew up, and maybe he worked in the Philly area. I think his folks I, he liked the shop. Eagles, yeah. but he also liked the Indians. Yeah. Or what do they call now? The Guardians? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he liked the Indians. <laughs> he liked when the he Indians. liked them, they Good were the point. Indians. Yeah. <laughs> and certainly loved the Lightning. Yes. And was always, uh, Just was a, always nice guy. a pleasure to be around. Yeah. I mean, always would come up, hey, Greg, how you doing? Yeah. Listen to the post-game show. You're doing a great job. And... You know, um, and he did battle some health issues the last couple of years, but it's been a weird last couple of years because 
you know, we haven't seen as many people. Like, I've seen you, clearly, sure. yeah, at, right, at right. games. But even during the pandemic, I didn't see you. Yeah, like, we right. were doing the show from our own homes. Yeah, right. So it had been a couple of years since I'd, I'd really seen him. And I saw him earlier this year in the press box. And it looked like he had been through some health issues. But Brian Breesman told me that the, he had a, a cancer uh, scare, more than a scare. He had cancer, yeah, right, had right. treatment, and was actually doing better. So when I saw him, it looked like he had been through the ringer. Yeah. But but Brian but be... Brian Breesman said he's actually looking like he's been through the ringer a little less sure. than earlier when I hadn't seen him. Yeah. And it's really sad news. It he is. Passed away. So our our thoughts with his uh his family. He was uh, a really a great guy and um have a couple prayers for Tommy and his family for sure today. Um hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. We have uh, some people weighing in. Bob wanted to know would you say this was a scheduled loss? No. With all of the players who were out of the line. Well, a scheduled loss has to do with the schedule. Correct. Like when the Lightning would have a home game on a Friday and then have to fly to Washington and play Saturday. We've had that a few times <laughs> over the years. <laughs> Crazy back to back. Yes. You're getting in it. 4 a.m. because there's no easy way to get to D.C. from any airport that you're allowed to fly into. Well, those games Reagan from is Arizona. Not, Reagan is not an option yeah. for charters. So you're either flying to Baltimore or you're flying to Dulles, which means it's an hour once you land. Oof. And actually, if you're landing at 3 in the morning, it's not an hour because the roads are empty. But you know what I'm getting yeah. at here. That is a tough back-to-back. That is what you call a scheduled loss where you're facing – a team that has far more favorable scheduling circumstances than you do. This was not a scheduled loss. The Lightning had played Sunday afternoon in Minnesota. They got into St. Louis basically around dinner time yeah. Sunday. They had a practice day Monday. Now, Bob's point is... Probably with the personnel. They were, yeah. they were depleted, but you know, the Blues are missing players too. And we talked about it. Perron was out. James Neal was out. Bozak was out. Clem Costin, who's become a regular for them, was out. They had to go eleven and seven as well. So I don't know. I thought the Lightning played well enough to win. I understand what he's saying. Yeah. I thought I, the Lightning played well enough yeah, to win. Yeah, I would last agree. Night. I think we both agree. And that's again, they lost and that's disappointing. But it is a compliment to the guys that played last yeah. night. That they were in a position, even with the losses, to win that game. Uh G Bolt says eighth time they have blown a third period lead. Concerned. I'd have to go back and look at the numbers on that, I don't know if that. Yeah, so to, so if they are up two to one, and I don't know if this has even happened this year, but if they're up two to one, the other team ties it, and then they go up three to two, and the other team ties it. Does that count as two blown leads? Or that's a good question. I, don't I know. mean, I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, they've allowed some sixth attacker goals, and we talked about that. So yes, the game in Philly, the game in Toronto, the game here against Minnesota, those would be three instances. Yes. The one last night would be a fourth, but I don't know. I mean, they tied it pretty early in the third. Yeah. It was 111 into the third on a power play. I guess he's asking maybe bigger picture. I don't know yeah, if that's necessarily like the a question, problem. But so, to me, the more pertinent question is less about blown leads and more about how are they defending. Yeah. And I think for much of the stretch that we talked about when they went 6-1-1 one, and one during that eight-game span where they played seven at home and even going back before that a few games – with the notable exception of the Jersey game here, they were defending well. They were. Yeah. 
I would agree with that. Now, sometimes you can defend well and still surrender a third-period lead. I think in the last two games, they've not defended as well. They've given up more scoring chances against Minnesota on the road and the St. Louis game on the road than they had in any of these other singular games that we can go back and look at. Maybe even the Jersey game. The problem with the Jersey game was the chances they gave up were tremendous scoring chances. And that was kind of what I was saying about earlier when I was looking at the St. Louis game. Like, let's say they had a 3-0 lead and they gave up, based on mistakes they made themselves, two breakaways and a two-on-one. Like, that would be hard to swallow. And in a sense, that's kind of what happened in the Jersey game. It's not like Jersey just tilted the ice in their comeback. In fact, we talked about how good Mackenzie Blackwood was in that game. The Lightning had had chances themselves. So yes. it's not like they spent the whole third period having to play in the defensive zone. And the Jersey game would be another one, which I didn't include. But I look at how are they defending? And I think in the last two games, they've not been able to lock it down as well. But they're also facing two pretty good teams. And they are, at least in the St. Louis game, in a situation where they did have a makeshift lineup. I will I will equate that with some of the structural problems they had defensively. I will not say, though, it led to the loss. Does that make sense? It does. I think that's, that's a maybe point. a subtle distinction, but Bob's point was about schedule loss, lineup depletion loss. I don't think it was due to that, but I do think that the weird lineup may have had a little bit of an impact on they weren't able to lock it down, say, as well as they did against Seattle Yeah. here the day after Thanksgiving. I also think it's to the way things are going with COVID and, and teams scratching players. It's it's tough to complain too much about personnel yeah. this year because I think everybody's going through it. I mean, the Islanders have had, what, two or three games postponed. Yeah. But they had to play a number of games. They played the Pittsburgh with basically game. their AHL, yeah. half of their AHL Correct. team. I was looking at one of the game sheets. I'm like, we just played the Islanders, and I didn't see any of these guys. Yeah. You wonder if uh, they're a little ticked off that they didn't have more games postponed right. before it got to that point. Yeah, because they didn't win any of them. Because you're, you're starting to get into a conversation about if the Islanders are going to make the playoffs. Because the rest of the division yeah. has been really strong. Now, Columbus has come back to earth a little right. bit here, which they got off to a great start. They did. But Pittsburgh's they've kind taken of a couple on the chin. They lost in St. Louis. They yeah. just got hammered to Nashville, in Nashville. Yeah. 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 It's a tough division. And... You know, we always talk about American Thanksgiving. Is that kind of a good barometer yeah. gauge? Now you factor in COVID and and missing players. Now all of a sudden, there's questions about will the Islanders make the playoffs? This right. Year? Maybe they're helped a little bit by the fact that it feels like Columbus and Philadelphia are both in rough patches a could little be. bit right yeah, now. Yeah, it could be. But I haven't looked at the standings no. recently to kind of get a sense of where they are. And because these games are postponed, all right, they're going to have games in hand. But this also means those games, games are going to be popped in somewhere yeah, in the sure. schedule which can complicate things. As we saw last year at a much different level, though, with Dallas. Remember Dallas' schedule after yeah. they had those games postponed? That was really tough. Well, and this is where it gets back to... At least they have a lot of them at home, right? Yes, every game, because they started all those games on the road. Maybe not every game that was postponed was a home game, but they You're have right. a lot of home games. They're making up a ton of... Yeah. But now the question just becomes, you know, okay, is the safety of the players playing all those games in a short yeah. amount of time? Now we talk about, do you even do the Olympics? Because now, I, I personally think the way this is going, you're extending the season. I do, into the summer. 
I think, especially if you're going to play the Olympics. I just think we're in that situation. Do not be surprised. We're playing so July I, think or I misunderstood. So you feel that more games are going to be postponed with the Olympics. That is going to force the league yes. to extend the season. Yes. Okay, I kind yes. of thought they're going to, in a way, extend the season to account for the Olympics with any problems that may happen in the Olympics. Like, yeah. they may need to wait once the Olympics right. are over to restart. And maybe they do. I, I don't know, but my, my... I think that's less likely. Yes, my, <laughs> my, my main point was the first, was the okay. former. And I think... Yeah. Whether that, that's then, good or bad, I, I don't know. Then I am, I am acknowledging that that is a possibility. Yeah. Al says, not many teams, if any, could be short so many key players and still munching points like the Lightning are doing. Remember Dallas last year, injuries did them in. Well, I, mean, I, I think there are some teams that are dealing with injuries and COVID-related absences that are still doing well. I confess I would have to kind of go down the list of the teams. Colorado got hot. Colorado was struggling at the start of the year. Yeah. Remember that, Greg? I do. And I do. They won here. I'm not sure Colorado was, was really clicking on all cylinders in that we game. We had Mike maybe, Chambers on. Maybe the Lightning weren't either at that point. But they got hot. And, and started rising up the standings at the same time that McKinnon was out of the lineup. Cadre, I think, has really performed pretty well, right? Right. But, um, like, if you're going to say, all right, Colorado, you're going to get off to a sluggish start. You're going to kind of be looking up a lot of teams after the first month. And now we're taking McKinnon out of your lineup. Yeah. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, right. They've, they've managed they've that managed. really well. Um, yeah, do you remember when we had Mike Chambers on? Or maybe I had him on during the I think you I had him remember. on. He... I mean, he wasn't complimentary of that team. He talked about how flawed when they were. the Lightning played them. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, this is a team that might have missed their chance with the core group of players they have right now to win. Yeah. Talked about how flawed maybe the roster really was. I mean, he was. Now, again, sometimes when you're struggling, you pow on a little Prisoner bit Prisoner of the moment. Yeah. Isn't I mean, that <laughs> one of your expressions? <laughs> See, I have been listening but in to a you, moment, you know, all these years. I hear what you're saying. This year is a little bit different because of the X factor of COVID. Yeah. I mean, you could just not get on track this year. You could just, you know, you win a couple of games, then boom, you have an outbreak, and there's four or five yeah. guys that are out of and your I'll lineup. And I'll mention Dallas. I yeah. think that hurt Dallas last I year. Think, I think that's a fair point, and um, that's just something we don't know a ton about. Uh, last question from Al. He says, do you think that DeBrusque could fit with the Lightning? Pilot and Maroon, both unrestricted free agents and not getting younger. I think Sweeney might take a puck bag for him or some equivalent asset. Apparently, DeBrus wants out of, of Boston. Well, he does. I mean, is Al suggesting that the Lightning trade for him now? I don't know how the Lightning would make that work with the I cap. don't know. I don't know. I, I'd be. Let me put it this way. Do I think, within reason, Julian Breezewell would make a trade that would help the team win now? I do. Do I think he's going to make that trade? I don't know. I I, I kind of yeah, like what I've seen from I some of the know, young forwards, right? I don't know right? what assets he's really interested in giving up at this point. I, I circle back to the question that we had at the start of the year and the one that Brian Engblom brought up because I asked him that yeah. question right at the end of our conversation with him yesterday. Like, what questions have been answered partially or fully and what questions have not yet been answered? And he talked about the Gord line, yeah, sure. which is fair. Sure. Like, we're going to may have to it's wait. Question. If the Lightning can get into the playoffs, we may have to wait no and doubt. see how we how we think about answering that question because it's not going to be the same but they're going to want the same sorts of results even if they go about it a different way they want the same destination but yes. maybe a different way to get there they're taking Correct. a different route 
But at this point, like one of the questions, we had that question too, but we were kind of like, how are the new guys going to be integrated? <laughs> Look, if you haven't been listening to our show, or if you have been listening to our show, you know where we are on this right now because we've been talking about it pretty much nonstop for the last couple of weeks. Belmar, Perry, and Maroon have been outstanding. Yes. Colton, Radish, Kachuk have been outstanding. Those are the players that we're talking about. And Bogosian, who returned, has been outstanding. I know it's recent, and we want to see this continue through the year. And I'm not willing to say these questions have been answered. But if you're looking for positive trends... Those are it. Those are it. Yeah, right. And I think we asked this question actually during the offseason when it became clear that the Lightning were going to be losing a bunch of guys. It may have even bef- been before we knew that Gord was going to be selected, but I think we were confident Goodrow and Coleman were going Correct. to be departing. And we had this conversation, Greg. I remember it. Like, how are the Lightning going to replace these guys? And what we talked about was replacing those guys may not happen right away in that the Lightning are going to see how the guys they have in their system handle it. And if they handle it well, then you have your answer. And if you handle it, if they handle it not as well, then you do have the season to try and make some adjustments. Yeah. Whether it's at the deadline or before the deadline, but you need to get some questions answered before that point. And I think we're getting, in a small way, by small I mean because it's been a month, let's say, or, or three weeks, we are getting some of those questions answered. I will say this. Outside the fact that Boris Kachuk and Taylor Radish have zero games of NHL playoff experience, and the same with Barry Boulay. Sure. Like, if they keep playing the way that they're playing, I think Julian Breezeball will feel much less urgency to try and make a significant move at the deadline as much as he can with the cap constrictions. That's not to say that he will make no move. I mean, sometimes you bring in a player for depth. But why are you why are you even thinking about tweaking something right now the way they are going? To the point that we even said when Fortier came up, he was not going into one of those lines. Yeah. They kept those lines together. And they should have. And they should have. Well, and it, it goes back to Kyle Foote, too. Yeah, and I didn't part even mention it, him. Part he's, of trying Foot, to, he's been very good. Part of it this year, because maybe you can do this when you feel that you're not in any danger of not making the playoffs. And we have seen with the Lightning, Dave, does it matter if they finish in first or if they're the eighth seed? As long right. as that team gets in, they've built up enough credibility where you feel like they can still run the table regardless of their positioning. So that's why we have kept saying this. This year is about finding out who you have. And it may take the whole year. But what's the rush? Let them play. Yeah. The other thing, too, is when everybody does come back, then you're going to have some, some decisions to make because not all those rookies are going to be in the yes. lineup. And so maybe that's where you know Julian Breezewatt takes a step back and says, who's on my roster? Do I need to address it by going out and getting somebody? And who is that somebody? Correct. Are you trying to Correct. bring in a Blake Coleman that's going to cost you a first-round pick and a prospect? Or are you bringing in... A Frederick Clayson, <laughs> sure, as another example, yes. a guy they added late last year as a depth piece, or DeBrusque. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I, do I think that's far fetched? Look, Al, I don't know. 
I, I'm sure they've had conversation. I'm not yeah. saying the Lightning. I kind of have a feeling Al saw, oh, DeBrusque is available. Would the Lightning go for him? And at this point now, I don't see that happening. No. But we're not in the general manager seat. We're not. We're guessing there. Um, but this year, Al, all things equal. Understanding the Kucherov and Point are coming back. Until those guys do come back, why not play these youngsters? And I'm throwing Kyle Foot in that equation, too, on the back end. The first 30 or 40 games of the year to see what you have. Get that NHL experience. Yeah. And then you can make a decision on where your roster is. If anything, Dave, we know they're going to have a lot of good depth here. Yeah. Not only for this year, but for next year. You know, because we know that salary cap, it's always going to be a bugaboo for teams that spend to the cap. And the Lightning do. And as long as they do, and if revenues continue to stay pretty stagnant, which it looks like it will for the next two years, give or take a million dollars, the Lightning are going to be in a position where they probably have to make some tough decisions. So you better find out about some of these younger players who are cheaper options. And if you have to make a decision on a veteran in the offseason, then so be it. But you don't have to do that now. You're in a pretty good spot. You're winning games and munching points with how many rookies? Have we, we've talked about this. At times, five rookies in the lineup. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And now we're not. You mentioned Belmar, Maroon, and Perry. I mean, that line is starting to play really well. And Corey Perry now, all of a sudden, yeah, he's starting. And that 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 was a case where it was true. All it took was his first goal, and it seems like the floodgates right. have opened up. I don't know how long this is going to last, but he looks comfortable out there, Dave. They don't track possession, but that line, kind of like the Colton line, they have tilted possession big time. Yes. Like most of their shifts, I feel, they have the puck and make they're making the other team work in the defensive zone. Maybe yeah. they don't get a shot, maybe they don't get a chance, but Maroon and Perry in the corner, Belmar's at the circle. Sometimes Belmar kind of drifts up yeah. to the point to cover the blue line in case the defenseman steps up a little bit, but they have they have played keep away basically in the offensive zone, which is exactly what you want from that line. And we can see how how difficult it is to play against that line when the Lightning dealt with that Erickson Eck line, yes. which is kind of like Minnesota's yes. version right. of a similar type of line. And I don't know what to make of who's more responsible for why that line has been so effective. It could just be all three guys meshing well. Yeah. Well, like, they're coming out of their own zone well. So with possession through the neutral zone – they are allowing themselves to get it into the offensive zone and keep possession. And once they have it in the offensive they're zone, they're really good at keeping away from the, the from defenders. the circles to the corner yes. behind the net. Yeah. But I but I feel like whether it's Belmar, the first one with his speed on the forecheck, mm -hmm. whether it's pairing Maroon, working the boards really well. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It just might be a combination of those guys. But I feel like all three of them are playing at a high level within the confines of the team and what they're asking them to do. I think even from from the beginning of the year. If you put those three guys out on the ice and allowed them to cycle in the offensive zone, they would be really effective. Yeah. The challenge for for them, and they didn't spend the early part of the year as a line, like how do we get to that position? Yes. <laughs> and they've done it now You're because right. they're breaking out cleanly and they're coming through the neutral zone with possession and they're maintaining it, whether it's a pass, whether it's a soft chip. However, they are they are executing it based on what the read is. They're making the right read. And they're giving themselves the opportunity yes. to do what they can really do best. You know what it is? You can tell it's a it's a line that has a lot of NHL games under their belt. Savvy. They, yeah, I mean, yeah. you mentioned they they, they, they kind of know, read the room. They know what to do. I'm going to chip it in this time. Or this time I'm going to really throw it around the boards and you get. I mean, they all have NHL experience and yeah. high-end 
NHL experience. And it's probably not a coincidence that they're playing very well. All right, that's going to wrap up our show today. Hope you enjoyed it. Lively one. He's Dave Mishkin. I'm Greg Linelli. Thanks to our producers, Steve Versnick and Stephen Cusimano. We'll be with you again tomorrow, noon to one, as the Lightning take on the Blues from Amelie Arena. We'll be all over the coverage. We appreciate it, partner. Great job as always. You too. We'll Talk do it to again you tomorrow. tomorrow. Right here on Lightning Power Play.